Blog Talk Radio. There's a dark and a troubled side of life, but there's a bright and a sunny side too. Though we meet with darkness and strife, the sunny side we also made you. Bom, bom, bom. Keep on the sunny side, always on the sunny side. Keep on the sunny side of life. It will help us every day. Heart of love. 
Please stay with me right now as I introduce to you and tell you the amazing story of God's love of Mr. George Palmer. Now I want you to turn with me to the second chapter of John's Gospel. The second chapter, and I hope everybody has a Bible tonight. It's good to be here with you to share with you, Charles. And I, I just want to say from the beginning that uh, this has really very little to do with me, but it's everything to do with what the Lord can do with a person uh, in a person's life and in their heart. My story begins when I was very young. I was angry before anything else happened because I didn't grow like other kids grew. And um, I had a lot of trouble at school because I was so small. Uh, the kids used to pick on me. Um, and then my father took very sick and was rushed to hospital. And it was there he had a heart attack and uh, wasn't uh, supposed to live. And uh, when we got the news through to say that my dad had died, I was shattered. Now, my dad wasn't the best dad in the world. Uh, he used to drink and uh, quite often came home drunk. Um, but when, when no alcohol was involved, he was a wonderful man and I loved him very, very much. But I remember getting the news, hearing the news about him dying. And I remember rushing out the back door up into the top paddock where he passed, planted all those trees. And I remember, I remember yelling and screaming out at God, God, I just hate you. I hate you with everything that's in me. And God, I want to make this case that I will never love you and I will never serve you in any way whatsoever because I just hate you so much because you've taken my dad. And that set the scene then for perhaps the rest of my life, Charles. I um, Then uh, the next day when I went to school, uh, I was just so angry. I was just boil, boiling over and uh, anyway, uh, one of the kids turned to me and called me a dwarf and I just turned around and I smacked him in the face and knocked all his front teeth out and uh, I was sent to the, given six cuts, I was sent to the headmaster and given another six cuts and that set the scene of my school life. If I didn't average six cuts a day, there was something wrong, something absolutely wrong. I became an obnoxious, foul-mouthed little boy, um, and little in the sense of being a small person. My, my uncle used to call me the little runt of the family, and that didn't enhance me to him at all, because I hated being called that, absolutely hated being called that. Yeah. Yeah. George, uh, what uh, I want you to maybe explain to everybody, uh, because certainly you have a situation in your life whereas you were so hardened towards God, as you just now explained to us, uh, George. Um, just as in the Bible, where the where the Lord said that he that Herod's heart was hardened, whereas no matter what yeah. God did up to a certain point, it made it it seemed not to make 
it seemed to just not make any difference whatsoever because it was heartened. Um, hatred was embedded in your heart because you was, I guess, so disappointed of a loss of your father that you loved dearly. And you didn't understand yeah. why, in your opinion, instead of blaming the devil, you blamed God. Um, what, what does a hatred heart do to somebody? How does that feel? How does it, how does it grow? Tell us a little bit about that, if you would. Well, I think, it, I think personally, to me, I think it's like a cancer. And, and this cancer grows inside you. Nobody can see it. Nobody can see it. But you know it's there and it's growing. And you're getting, um, you know, the least little thing would, would just make you so angry that, that um, the display that you displayed was not really of you. And people were surprised about it, you know. I changed schools. I went to the Aubrey Grammar School uh, in uh, New South Wales. And uh, I went there because they were a school that's very, very strict. But I only lasted there about six months before I was expelled um, because of this, this continuous ex exhibition of, of hatred and anger that I had in my life. And I, th I see it in so many of our young people today, the same thing. The same thing I see in them was actually in me today, was in me back there then. Well, George, you, um, I remember you telling me um, that your mother was, was, was religious. She took you to church. So you did know something yes. about God. And um, so... I know that this led you into uh, in, into in, into an area of working with of, with a gang. You became the leader of a gang. Explain what what yes. happened to you. How where did your life transpire from that? However, let me say this before you start with that, uh, Brother George. Uh, your your life. Um, you knew about God. There are many um, moms out there or fathers out there that are praying for yes. a wayward child. And I guess yes. I would say to them, and I know you would say to them, don't give up. Because no matter how yeah. wayward that child is or seems to be right now or how impossible or hopeless it might be, your mother was praying for you. And oh, even yes. though it looked, it looked bleak, tell us about what happened to you at that point when you became a teenager, when you became older in life, which led up to your desire to assassinate um, to um, to to kill Billy Graham, to pill, the, the, the yeah. hatred grew so intensely for you to actually have that much of a hardened heart. What became of you after that? What what became of you? Tell us about the gang. Well, I think uh, Charles. I think um, we ended up moving, selling the farm, and we moved to Albra to um, Melbourne, and there I went to Footscray Technical School. Um, now, they started at uh, 2A was the top, and the lowest they could get was 2N. And that's where I ended up, because that's where all the no-hopers were, in 2N. And uh, I displayed my anger right throughout the whole of my school life, was there all the time. And then I finally got an apprenticeship with the Victorian Railways, and uh, I got an apprenticeship as an electrical fitter and uh, I um, went through my apprenticeship 
with this anger uh, and hatred to anybody. It didn't matter who they were. Uh, you know, if, if somebody had said something to me that annoyed me, I would pick up a chisel and throw at them. Whether it hit them or not, I, I didn't care. Uh, it was just, just a display of this uncontrollable anger that I had in my life. And then in my second year, just halfway through my second year apprenticeship, uh, we were transferred down to Newport workshops, um, yeah, just out of Melbourne. And uh, we served about uh, two years down there. But while I was there, I heard about this group that met and uh, I went to talk to them about it and they sort of laughed at me at first and said, okay, you can be our midget, you can be our, 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 uh, our little midget man. And uh, that made me even worse. And uh, just then, after I'd been in the gang about probably three to six months, the leader of the gang then um, got a call from America to say that his parents were over there, uh, were dying, and that he needed to go over there uh, to them. And so they were with Lauda Leader. Now, to choose a leader of the gang, what they did was that they heated a piece of 3-8 round steel up red hot and put it in the top of your leg. And if you didn't pass out with the pain, then you became the leader. And there's only two of us went for it. Uh, I was the mug that uh, was able to withstand the pain, and so I became the leader. Now, being the leader, whatever I said went. There was no disputation at all about anything that I'd said. And of course, then in 1959, or before 1959 it was, we heard that this man, Billy Graham, was coming to Melbourne to conduct a crusade. And I think it's very important that we find out what is a born-again Christian and what is a born-again Christian supposed to be like? And how do you become born again? And I don't mean how do you become a Democrat or a Republican. I mean how do you become born again, have a new birth? And I want us to talk about that tonight in the last two verses a great crowd of people were following Jesus in this second chapter, but Jesus did not commit himself unto them because he knew all men, and needed not that any should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. There was a man of the Pharisees now in this crowd named Nicodemus, a ruler. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Teacher, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? And we talked it over and we said, Let's get this guy. And we hate Christianity. And so that's what we planned on doing. And during the time I was in uh, the railways, the workshops, I made up 10 zip guns. And so each member had a zip gun. 
Now, they're very dangerous things because they can blow up in your face quite easily, quite easily. Um, and uh, so we decided this was the way we were going to get back at God through getting at Billy Graham because he was God's man at that stage. Why? And uh, why? Uh, why Billy Graham? Um, let me. You. Am I am I calling this right? Am I thinking about it this way correctly, uh, George? Why Billy Graham? Uh, God had taken had you thought in your in your young heart when you was young. God yeah. had taken your father from you. Um, so is that the way you was thinking about Billy Graham? That you would take something from God? It was was that was was that the reason why such hate for Billy Graham? Uh, Tell us about that. I know you're going into that part of the story, but what caused you? I mean, what caused you to hate Billy Graham so much? What what what, what started that? I think it was payback time, Charles. Payback time. Wow. God had taken from me. Now we were going to take from him, and he was such a high-profile man, high-profile, that we thought this is the man we've got to get. This is the man we've got to get. You know, and so when we um, heard that he was coming and he was going to do a crusade on the Melbourne Cricket Ground. Um, now, the Melbourne Cricket Ground is a, a very large ground and it holds nearly, I think, 100,000 people. And it was full. But we'd stationed ourselves around the wire fences. Um, but then a miracle happened. Well, it, it was. God is so sneaky. He really is so sneaky, you know. We say a miracle happened. They opened the gates onto the green. And so I said to the guys, come on, let's go. We're on the green. We'll get closer to it. So we went onto the green and we stationed ourselves around. Now, I could see every guy that was there. I knew them. I saw them. And we hid our guns under our jumpers. And uh, I have no idea what was said that night. I have no idea what Billy Graham preached on. I was going to ask you what the message was that made you make a decision. Because as ministers, so many times I know myself, George, that I think that if I could prepare the correct sermon the right words, yeah. the, the perfect homiletical outline, a sermon, that that's what it would take, and I never, ever could come up with that sermon. It always was the Holy Spirit that preached the, yes. preached the right thing to yeah. somebody's heart. So yes. I was going to ask you, yeah. what in the world did Billy Graham preach that night that made you change yeah. your mind? But you saying that you did not even hear the sermon? Never, ever heard the sermon, Charles. I, I as a matter of fact, um, when it, oh, I'll get to it a little later on, but um, about halfway through the pro this procedure, I'm looking around at all these people, and there's 143,000 people there. There's never been a bigger crowd than that on the Melbourne Cricket Ground since. And so... I'm looking around at all these people and I thought, what the dickens are all these stupid people doing here? I said, they must be mad or something. You know, there's something wrong with them. 
because I used to think Christians used to have two brains, you know, one was lost and the other one was out looking for it, you know, and that was my attitude towards Christians. And I, I looked around and I, again, and I, I, a little later on, said the same thing again. And then I, I turned back and then suddenly somebody said to me, well, what are you doing here, George? I thought, well, who the Dickens knows me here? So I turned around to have a look. No, I couldn't see anybody. I didn't know anybody. So I turned back around again. And you know, three times that happened to me, Charles. Three times. And you know, it was amazing because in my mind came flooding back something that I'd learned at Sunday school about Moses and the burning bush. And God spoke to Moses out of the burning bush. And I thought to myself, I thought, surely this is not God speaking to a foul-mouthed little brat, George Palmer. And three times God said that. What are you doing here, George? And that's when I recognized it was him and him speaking to me. And it was just so amazing. And I'll tell you what, for the first time in my life, Charles, I was scared. I was really, really scared, you know? Now, I said to you that I didn't know whether or not what Billy Graham preached. I have no idea. And I also don't know for a fact whether or not the choir sang just as I am, without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. Now, I have no idea whether the choir sang that, but I heard it. I heard it in my mind. It was just, just astounding because I think that was the thing that really, really changed me when I realized suddenly that, that, that God himself had done something so that this person, this, this foul-mouthed little man, might find life and life abundantly. It was just so amazing. And God said to me, I remember him saying to me the last time he spoke to me, George, I didn't take your father to hurt you. I didn't take your father to hurt your mother or you. I took him because he was a sick man and he, will, he died just like you, you will die and everybody else around you will die. And it all seemed to make so much sense. And suddenly for the first time since I was seven and a half years of age, I began to weep. And the tears just streamed down my face, Charles. And it was just like a refreshing rain. You know how after it's been hot and it rains, you get that that beautiful smell of the rain. It was just like that. There was this, this beautiful smell, I think, of life, real life. And at the invitation, I almost ran out to the front. And, and it was amazing. It was you and nine other of the gang members that was stationed around the arena. And I imagine you, right. you thought that one of you guys was going to get to Billy Graham and take him out. Um, Billy Graham didn't know it. 
the crowd didn't know it. You knew it, and nine other of the gang members uh, knew it, and God knew it, but God would not allow it. Um, uh, I'm going to ask you right now, what were, because I remember, um, I'm going to ask you to share another story with us um, uh, while I have you, and that was, I remember um, how heartened your heart was at one time. Um, you had a gang fight at one time, and just to show how hardened your heart was and what God changed, I'd like you to share that story yes. briefly with us. But let's continue where we're at right now. And I'm just amazed right now, George. You, are, I don't know if you was a few steps away from Billy Graham, how close you was, but certainly there wasn't anything that was going to stop that act of violence uh, and, and the way the devil was, was guiding you and pulling you at that time. But God changed your mind. What in the world... Did you guys think now you got nine other of gang members that are with yeah. you? God spoke to you. Um, let me ask you this now: What about them? How did God stop them? Did God speak to all you, y'all? How did He stop not just you, but the rest of them um, from 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 doing that act, from from assassinating Billy Graham that night? Charles, I have no idea. But that night, I. Out of the nine out of the ten of us got converted. Wow! You know, and and I remember um, after that I'd speak, spoken to the council. Now they first of all they treated me like a, a little boy, you know, because I was so small. And I had to tell them, look, I am not a little boy. I'm seventeen and a half. You know, um, I, I'm, I'm almost a man. And and. I wanted to treat me that way, so he did, and uh, he was a great counsellor, and he said to me, he said, you know, he said, this is not going to be easy for you, this is going to be so, so hard for you, you're going to have to face problems that you've never had to face before, and, and the great thing about it was the other eight guys who also came forward, now how God dealt with them, I have no idea. To this day, I have no idea. All I know is that after um, it had finished, we all met in a huddle and we hugged each other and we all cried like little babies. And we made a pact then that we would never, ever, ever do anything that would hurt anybody again. Never. The only guy that didn't make the commitment, um, he put his gun down and ran. He just ran. Uh, he was just so afraid. But um, but going home, it was a, an interesting story going home. But I want to tell you a story about what we did. Some of the, one of the uh, terrible things we did, or maybe even a couple. Um, one of them was a big gang fight we had in the middle of Footscray, in Paisley Street, Footscray. And uh, we caught the leader of the gang, the other gang, and we held, a hand, held his hand down on the ground and we ran a car backwards and forwards and backwards and forwards over his hand and we broke every bone in his hand. Now, he couldn't go to the hospital because the moment he did, he would be arrested. Wow. And so he grew up for the rest of his life with his hand. His fingers almost bent back 90 degrees the way the bones sort of formed after that. And uh, that was a terrible thing. And I, I 
I asked God to forgive me for that. And I believe he did. I believe he did. What did uh, because what did uh with that story with that story right there, George, um the uh there was no remorse in your heart for what you had done, um on this particular situation with this with this man, um and your in the violence that, that, that was associated with, with that type of living in that gang that gang lifestyle. Uh, obviously, because you didn't care that, I mean, you was going to assassinate Billy Graham, for goodness sakes. Um, But God, you, um, but here's what I like about your story. God changes lives. God changes lives completely. He not only touched your life, but everybody involved, except for the one person. That's very interesting that there's always one person that either comes and asks God's forgiveness, or only one does. In this case, one did not, the rest of you did. But God asked you to do something else. Um, it wasn't, he asked you to do something else about, the, about that young man that you had uh, permitted the violence against, uh, you and the gang. Um, what was it that he told you to do Then you acted upon it? Share that with us. We all walked up from the Melbourne Cricket Ground to uh, the Flinders Street Railway Station, which is quite a different distance. And we shared a lot of stuff together, you know. And... Um, I caught the train home, and uh, I remember getting out at Middle Footscray Station and uh, walking up Victoria Street. And I, well, not walking, I was really floating up uh, Victoria Street. I was so, it it was just like a a whole new life to me, whole new life. And then suddenly the voice appeared again and said, George, I want to talk to you. He said, first of all, he said, I've got two things I want. He said, first of all, I want you to be a Salvation Army officer. And I said, you've got to be joking. And God said quite sternly to me, I do not joke. Oh, he put me back in my box, I tell you. It really did. And I thought, oh, yes, okay, well. I said, I can't be a Salvation Army officer. I said, I can't talk. I said, my language is not church language. I said, can you imagine me standing up in a church preaching a sermon the way I talk? And he said, that's not a problem. We can take care of that. And I said, anyway, I said, I'm only four foot eleven. I couldn't see even above the pulpit. And God said to me, that's okay, George. I can handle that also. And you know, that year, Charles, I grew ten and a half inches. Ten and a half inches in one year. It was just amazing. That is amazing. I said, okay, what's the second thing? It can't be any worse than that. And so God said to me, I want you now to go down tomorrow and I'll call him no name because I, I have never, ever told anybody any of the names of the gang members, never. And that was part of our pact we made. And so I'll call this guy no name. And I said to him, you've got to be... And I said, no, you don't joke, do you? You don't kid. And I said, but God, if I go down there, he'll kill me. God said, no, he won't. I said, but couldn't I just write him a letter? God said, no, I want you to go down and see him and talk to him. Well, the next day... Now, this is the next day after the crusade, mind you, right? No breathing space. So I went down and I knocked on the door and 
his, his mother came to the door and she was very angry. Very, and she had rightly so. She had every, mean, every right to be angry. And uh, he, the young man called out, who's there? And she said who it was. And he said, show him in. And when I first went in there, he was pretty testy about it. And then we got talking and I shared with him what had happened to me at the Billy Graham crusade. And he said, I don't believe that. I said, well, it's true. It's really, really true. And I said, uh, I've been told I've got to come down to you and apologize to you for what we did to you. And he said, you know, George, if we'd have caught you, we'd have done the same thing to you. Interesting. You know, he said, it's so much. And you know, Charles, it, it simply amazes me that God used that incident to lead this young man to the Lord. I led him to the Lord. A day old Christian, and I led someone to the Lord. And I thought, wow, this is good stuff. Maybe this army officer business is not too bad after all. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, so, and we became best of friends after that. We really did. Isn't that something? how God can take somebody's heart and just change it to such an extent. Oh. So out of that experience, uh, uh, one, uh, 10 people actually got saved. One ran away and did yeah. not accept the Lord and ran away from the situation. And um, and God, I guess God hit all intentions, George. I'm being a little funny here. But I guess God hit all intentions of 10 people coming to him on that night and the, and the following night. One left, yeah. God brought the other guy in, and he took us, and he got saved. What a, what a tremendous story. What a tremendous story. We call that guy the Grand Judas. Say that again. We call Judas. Because he ran. <laughs> okay, I, I, I hear you. I hear you. What a story. Um, what what an impact of how God has changed your life. And you have been a minister ever since, touching people's lives. Uh, and, uh, my situation was I had, uh, uh, in my, my testimony, which is certainly a different spin than yours is, I, um, um, I started serving the Lord. When um, when I was just 14 years old, I preached every place that I possibly could. I preached in Harlem. I preached in the Bronx. I, I stormed yeah. the streets looking for bad people. I myself yeah. had never, ever taken any drugs or smoked or anything. Just never right. did. But I didn't need that right. to relate to people that had. That was uh, yeah. on the wayward way of life. In your situation, uh, and, and then I, I walked away from God. I left the ministry, yeah. and God called me back. Um, and yeah. came across your story, and you shared this story. I think this is the only the second time that you shared this story for publication. Yeah. I think that you told me, um, for that matter. But George, I want to thank you for uh, for for sharing your story and what it has done for um, what it has done for so many people's lives. Uh, it's going to change people's lives. God has certainly touched you and changed you, and changed all those young men's lives. Um, a world away, and we become best of friends, and God put us together. I want to thank you for doing that. Uh, what a tremendous, tremendous testimony, tremendous testimony. Go ahead and say one uh, final thing to the, to the group and to anyone listening to this video right now. Well, I've just counted a great thrill and honor, Giles, to know you, 
to know your ministry and the people you're, you're reaching, your hearts that you're touching. And I just want to say to them, you know, while Charles is reaching out to you, you reach out to the Lord because he's got his hands reaching out to you. You know, there's a little chorus we used to sing once upon a time, reach out and touch the Lord as he goes by. You'll find he's not too busy to hear your heart's cry. He's passing by this moment. Your need he'll supply. Reach out and touch the Lord as he goes by. And he will give you life. He will give you peace. He will give you joy. He'll give you a meaning for life and what it's all about. And he'll change your life and make it into a wonderful, wonderful, absolute marvellous life as you live the rest of your life. Yes, yes, he will. Thank you, George. This is George Palmer, and he, he agreed to share his, um, his ministry, his life-changing experience with the Ministry Road, how God took a, a heart that was hardened and softened it and made it a heart of love. Thank you, George. Thank you for being with us today, and the group loves you. I appreciate you. Oh, bless you, and thank you for the opportunity. God, we're grateful. Because if it had not been for you, we would not be here. We opened our eyes this morning, God. Because you gave us the strength to open our eyes. We were able to rise because you gave us strength. And our limbs and the facilities of our body. We were able to get here, God, because you blessed us and brought us the way of safety and did not allow harm to come to us, Lord. We're grateful to again come into your presence because we know where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And as we come before you today, have your way, Lord. Let flesh be crucified that you might be glorified, that your people might be edified in the name of Jesus. For God in you is life. And that's what we seek, God. Life. Eternal life, God. And we pray, oh God, today that you will touch every person that have come seeking you, Lord. Bind the hand of the devil, God. Rebuke the hand of the enemy, Lord. God, let your anointing that resonates in this place even now. God, let there be an outpouring on your people. We need you, God, to take us to another level in you, Lord. God, we're faced with demonic forces, God. Evil spirits have come up against us, Lord, and we need to be fortified with your power. God, we can't make it on our own strength, God. We don't have enough to stand on, Lord. But we know, God, that your joy is our strength. Fill us up on today in the name of Jesus. Somebody have come this morning burdened down, God, with the issues of life, God. Somebody, God, is in the battle of their life. Somebody's, God, fighting in their mind and in their spirit, Lord, where the devil have come in to war against them, Lord. But we thank you, God, because we know greater are you that's within us than he that is within this world, God. We know, God, that you are a deliverer, Lord, that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you're no short of your promise, Lord, and you're able to deliver us, Lord. Touch us on today, Lord. We need you like never before. Fill us 
us up with the Holy Ghost, God, uh, and give us a refilling, Lord, uh, that when we leave here today, Lord, uh, we can leave with your anointing, Lord, uh, that as we meet men and women, boys and girls, uh, they might be converted to know who you are, Lord. Uh, in the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Uh, we thank you because you are a healer. Uh, you're the God that healeth thee, uh, and healing is in your wings, uh, and you're able to touch our feeble bodies. Uh, you're able to save our troubled souls. Uh, and in the name of Jesus, uh, bind every demon, Lord, uh, every demonic force, Lord, uh, God, that comes to keep us uh, in the same place, Lord. Uh, we're willing, God, to surrender uh, and say yes to your will, Lord. Uh, we're willing to turn our lives, God, uh, over into your hands, Lord, uh, because we come to the place, God, uh, where we realize like never before, uh, we need you, Jesus. Uh, more than anything we know, uh, we need you, Jesus. Uh, while men are trying to find God, uh, solutions to this chaotic world, God, uh, we're looking to you, Lord, uh, because we know for every right desire, uh, there is an answer. Uh, and Jesus, you're that answer. Uh, there's no need for us, God, uh, to turn hither or thither, Lord. Uh, we need but to look for you, Lord, uh, because you're the answer, God, uh, for our troubled lives, Lord. Uh, touch on the day, God. Uh, break every yoke, oh God. Uh, save on the day, God. Uh, Deliver on the day, God. Jesus, we need you, Lord. We need you, Jesus. We need you, Jesus. We're crying out to you, Lord. We know that you're able to save our souls. We know that you're able, God, to heal our bodies, Jesus. We know that you're able, God, to turn our situations around. Jesus, no other help we know. No other help we know. No other help we know, God. You're able, Jesus, to deliver our children. You're able, Jesus, to save the unsaved husband. You're able, Jesus, to heal the cancer patient. Nothing too hard for you, Jesus. No other God we know. We know that you're able, Jesus. We know that you're able, Jesus. We say yes to your will, God. Yes to your way, Lord. Have your way, Jesus. And we'll thank you for it. And we'll give you a name the praise and we'll bless you Lord yes we thank you Lord and we bless your holy name come on open your mouth and give the Lord some praise hallelujah hallelujah thank you Jesus now somebody would say uh his testimony wasn't that uh roaring it wasn't that inspiring but listen to me many don't know about uh, certain sins of the world they don't think they do. They're committing the same sins, they're just doing it in a different way. And when they hear these other people's testimony, they, they're not so enthused. But let me tell you something you've done the same thing, you did it in a different way. Yeah, that's all. This man became a gang, look, kind of something, became a gang leader, <laughs> mean and evil, talking to God because he done lost his mind. Talk about he hated him. I never loved him. You took my dad. His dad was an alcoholic and thing. Yeah, he going to say that when his dad wasn't drinking, he was the world's greatest. No, no, you got to be that all the time. You can't be that when you're not drinking. Because if you got children, you shouldn't be drinking. Period. Something happened to your child, you drunk. What you going to do? Lose your child. Could lose them to death anything. 
because you drunk. Yeah, I worked in drug and alcohol treatment. And uh, I've had women that were drunk, went out to go drive the car drunk to go get more alcohol and ran over their son. One drunk passed out on the couch before she went to sleep. She bathed the baby. And I put the baby down for a nap. She drunk, and she went to take her nap. When she woke up, the baby in the bucket of water drowned. All this kind of thing. And because you shouldn't be drinking if you have children. There's no such thing as a, a recreation of drink, recreation of drugs. No, there's no such thing. You're a dope addict. You're an alcoholic. Yeah, I don't see what people see in it because you're not in charge. The spirit that you put in your body through alcohol or drugs, that's what's in charge. I don't care if it's a pill. I don't care if it's in the liquid form, however you put it in there. You're not in control. It is. Yeah. When I had the cold and the doctor prescribed me some medications, it said, don't drink alcohol with this. Be careful operating machinery. Now, the doctor prescribed it. So when I took it, I'm high. I, and you're not supposed to drive. Then you put DUI, you drive, and you done took prescribed medications, and they say you're not supposed to drive. They'll write you a ticket. Might throw you in jail. But I listened to this man right here. He was small in stature, angry, just full of evil. Yet he had planned to kill Billy Graham. So he had to get rid of the problem. The, the, the interviewer asked him, said, well, do you think you did it because you wanted to pay God back? So he said, yeah, it was time for God to pay up. He goes to the crusade, him and his buddies, the gang members or whatever, and they go to kill Billy Graham <laughs> and come to find out the Lord saved him. The Lord began to speak to him. God saved, I think, nine of them in that temple and ran away. He said God grew him ten and a half inches more. <laughs> Let me tell you, he'll give you your heart's desire if you delight yourself in him. If you make him the God of your life, he will give you your heart's desire in the natural and spiritual. And if we go to him with heart desire spiritually first, he will answer that. Lord, I want your spirit. I want to be filled. Lord, I want you to baptize me in the Holy Ghost. I want to hear your voice. I want to go in the right path for your name's sake. See, because once you become more spiritual, these are the kind of prayers you're praying. You're not praying just natural stuff. Lord, bless my children. Lord, we need food. God, bless me to pay my bills. You're not praying those prayers. And nothing wrong with them now. But you're not just praying those kind of prayers no more, the natural prayers, things that God would take care of you naturally. You're praying more spiritual now. 
because you realize that's more important. A spiritual prayer, that's more important than any prayer you can pray. It is. Because you don't let yourself go and you focused on him. You want whatever he wants and you want to please him daily and you only want to do the things that he accepts. You, you're out of your flesh most of the time at the life because you're looking at spiritual things. You're looking at how he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You're looking at Jesus hanging on the cross. First, you're looking at his suffering. You're looking at how they said, free the rabbits and crucify Jesus. See, you're back looking at this thing. You're back looking at, in the garden, how Adam and Eve did him. He brought him out the garden, but he yet blessed him. He didn't kill him. He didn't torture him. What a love. You're looking at how Noah was telling everybody it's going to rain. They didn't believe. It, it, it has never rained. You tell me it's going to rain now. Noah, go on with your drunk self. We know you done drunk too much wine, Noah. You got to be drunk talking about it's going to rain, and it has never rained. You're back looking at these things. You're looking at how it would appear to be impossible with different things, but with God, all things are possible. You're looking at how he brings you, how he brought you. You're looking at the things God has taught you, the things you've learned through him. Amen. Sin is sin. You're looking at these things. You're not looking at where you've been, per se, and the, and the negativity and the badness and your old sins. You're not back there looking at that no more. But if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. God has redeemed you. God has forgiven you. He wiped your slate clean. No need to go back there. A lot of people keep going back there. It's a familiar place. That's what they used to. But if any man be in Christ again this morning, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. You're no longer doing those things, so why are you dwelling on what you used to do? No, ma'am and no, sir. It's a new day for us. I reach back in that past to get me some testimony. I reach back in that past to look and see, look where you brought me from. Father, it was you who brought me out of darkness into this marvelous life. I'm seeking more of this marvelous life, but I need you to fill me with your spirit. Sanctify me. Clean me up. Clean me up. Don't let me have my own thoughts, Lord. Let your spirit come in and minister to me. Renew the right spirit within me. Regulate my mind. You might have to pray that prayer down. Because you don't want to be in yourself. You want the spirit of God to lead and guide you. He said to lead and guide into all truth. It would tell you which way to go and which way not to go. It would tell you what to do and what not to do. Y'all would have to really, really know me to know my mouth would flip. I had a really flip mouth. Me and our women, it didn't matter, just flip. And sometimes that old man want to come up and say something flip and the Lord said don't say that Barbara don't do that 
Don't give that. Give this. Don't go that way. Go this way. Don't buy that. Buy this. I'm telling you what his spirit will do for you. There are days I don't know what to wear. Closet full of clothes, rack full of clothes, don't know. Some clothes never wore before, still got the tags on them, and will fit me right now. I'm saying, Lord, what to wear today? He'll show me what to wear. Yeah. In many situations where I'm going, I've been dressed really nice. It looked like nobody paid me no attention. I came out, out halfway raggedy. Three or four men say, how you doing? <laughs> I'm like, all right, how you doing? You look nice. I, I can't help but laugh. I'm raggedy. You see, in their eyes, they see it beauty. I, I don't know what they see it, but I know I don't see it because I know me. I didn't dress for success today. I, I wasn't dressed to get compliments, yet I got plenty. And they were sincere. It wasn't no joke. They went on about their business. I went on about mine. They wasn't flirting and trying to hit on me, none of that. It's what they saw. Because the Lord was trying to show me, hey, this is not about you. It's not about how you look, how you walk, how you smell, none of that. But it is about my spirit raining on you. They see that anointing on you. They don't see Barbara. They see the anointing that's upon Barbara. Yeah. So the more we lean towards spiritual, the better we're going to be, the better we're going to get. Oh, yeah, it's a new day. When I tell you, oh, boy, when I come to him and I begin to know him, I begin to fear him for real, it was a brand new day for Bob. My life was better. I felt like a million bucks, if you can feel that way. Oh, I felt brand new. I felt like telling everybody. I didn't have no beef with nobody. No problems. If I didn't have nothing but a piece of bread and a cup of water, I was grateful. Because I stopped looking in the natural, and I stopped looking at things in the world's way. Yeah, I was no no longer worthy. I'm walking more in the spirit now, and I'm learning. He's, he's teaching me. Been in the church all my life. You know, I knew about the church, church etiquette, church protocol. Knew all about that stuff. Knew how to behave, how to go to put my offering in, knew when it was offering time, all of that. But that was not by too much in my book. When I learn how to lean and depend on Jesus. When I learn how to walk by faith and not by sight. When I learn how to walk in the spirit that I don't fulfill the lust of my flesh. Because see, lust was still coming, you know. I was a new babe in Christ. I was still loving men that I wasn't married to. I was still loving men that... uh, That, you know, looked appealing to me. They looked good to me. This is my style right here. He continued to work on me as I continued to seek him with my whole heart. The more I seek him, the more he worked on me. The more I asked that he teach me how to control lust, 
that I wouldn't walk in lust. Now, it didn't stop lustful thoughts from coming. It didn't, it, it didn't stop men from looking good to me now. Yeah. Because it, it was never a woman. Yeah, I couldn't have that kind of thought and feeling for no woman. Oh, no. Then what was that? Uh-uh. But I had all that energy for men, not for boys. Never wanted to see nobody younger than me. Always wanted the man that was older, you see. Yeah. But he fixed all of that as I continued to seek his face, turn from my wicked ways. Yeah, I began to hear from heaven. Oh, he began to heal my land. Hallelujah. Yeah, but I had to want, want it, and I had to seek him for it. See, I can't accuse him of forcing nothing on me. Everything he did for me, I went to him for it. I asked for it. Some things he enhanced because he knew this is what I wanted. He knew the very intent of my heart. And my prayers was no longer selfish prayers. See, I, I used to pray for me and mine. <laughs> I, they and my family. You know, what I wanted for my children. But God began to bless me to not pray selfish prayers and to pray for others from a sincere heart. And the more I prayed for others, the more he blessed me and mine. Yeah. The more I prayed for others, the more he blessed me and my household, blessed my family. Gave me what I could handle. No more, no less, but exactly what I could handle. Kept my children safe. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I'm grateful unto him this morning. I want to share that a little bit. And that today is Testify Friday on purpose. Yeah, we want to testify on purpose. When did you come to God? Who told you? Who first told you about Jesus? How did you believe? How long did it take you? Did you go back and come back? What happened? Yeah, we want to talk about those things today. And feel free to press that number one anytime this morning and come in and share with us. Hallelujah. We go into one of the old-time classics here, and I'm going to dedicate this one this morning to Brother Lewis. God bless you over there. Thank you so much for the scripture posting, for holding the chat room down every morning. Come in, Brother Lewis. Thank you and Sherry for the birthday gift. God bless y'all. God bless you. So I want to dedicate this one to you this morning. I am a working man, oh yes I am 
city. I was born in the north. I was born in the autumn time. Lord only knows what for. I was born in the eastern red. All my things were dying. But I was born with a big old mouth. I am a working man. I get things done. Work for the Holy Ghost. Work for the sun. I am a working man. Oh yes, I am. I am a special agent of the Canadian brothers, uh, New World Sun, and I have the whole album. Uh, Brother Lewis sent it to me from back in the day. Ooh, that's been years ago, Brother Lewis. And so I changed computers and things, and don't take all the songs over. So a lot of times I have to get it from YouTube. But yeah, this one is called Working Man. Yeah, Salvation Station. Ooh, I'm gonna jump the track. All kind of songs and. I'm just blessed, and I'm going to try to get uh, each one of those songs played this week, and uh, I, I just want to go in and download that album, and then I'm able to, you know, pick and choose what to play over here, and uh, I'm just grateful unto the Lord. Listen, we're going in this morning, and we're going to listen to Dr. E.B. Hill again, and, and this is one of his classic sermons. They say it is the classic sermon. Uh, say it again. That's the title of this one. Say it again. I love E.B. Hill. <laughs> yeah, Lord. And I love the way God used this man. Yeah. All right. All right. Who knew, Brother Louis? Who knew? <laughs> but Louis, Louis knew how to find him. Hallelujah. All right. Let's take a listen.
us bow our heads in a moment of prayer. And now, our gracious and heavenly Father, we pray that thou would please let us preach, not for fame nor reputation, but to the end that somebody will be saved, saved tonight, not only here in the auditorium, but saved in those living rooms and bedrooms and automobiles and wherever people are listening right now. Holy Spirit, you're welcome in this place. And we pray that thou would just reach out and touch tonight and bring somebody home tonight. Turn around that backslider and let them come home. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to thank Pastor Stephen John Thurston for that introduction and for being here with him this week. I also want to thank Pastor Clay Evans. There's no Evans like our Evans. Say amen real loud. I want to thank Pastor Clay Evans for again permitting me to come to the pulpit of fellowship. We have a great place to come to. Chicago has always been a place when you come here, there are several places you can go to. I started coming when Dr. Body was down on State Street. And uh, we would just run from one broadcast to another. And end up at First Church down on uh, Wabash. And so every time I have come, I look forward to going from one broadcast to another, Dr. Humphrey, and all the broadcasts, and, and then in those days uh, over at Omega when Dr. Blair. Uh, Blair was there. We just, just get in the car and almost have a wreck, running from one broadcast <laughs> to another. And thank God that there are still those who are carrying on. And one place is the ship. I salute you, Pastor Evans, for all that you're doing for people everywhere. I was down in Baton Rouge, Louisiana several years ago, and about 11 o'clock at night, I was trying to go to bed, and I left the television on, and I heard somebody say, ooh, ooh. And I said, <laughs> I woke up, and I said, well, that's clever. And so I decided... Uh, to wake up and listen to the broadcast. And I stayed up until 12 o'clock, shouting with you all. And then I went to bed, and early that morning, I turned on television early Sunday morning and was in the bathroom trying to get ready to go to church. And I heard him say, what a fellowship. What a joy divide. So I said, well, he put me to bed, and he woke me up. Thank God for you. I want to call your attention to the fourth chapter of the book of Acts. And I'm preaching mainly to those of you who are listening in. And I'm asking those of us who are here to pray for those who are listening in, particularly you who have turned back and have backslided. You don't hear that word much anymore, but somebody needs to say that there is a lot of backsliding. And God is not pleased. It says in the fourth chapter of the book of Acts and the 20th verse, we cannot but speak the things 
which we have seen and heard. I want to speak a little while tonight from the subject, said again. Said again. Would you turn to somebody and tell them, said again. Those who are familiar with the process of teaching will readily agree that the best way to teach anything is to have a person repeat it over and over. If you want to get something down in your mind, then repeat it over and over. Amen. I said this morning over at uh, <clears throat> New Covenant that some many years ago, I put in my mind 2245570. That's the number of that church. And I don't have to look it up. It's in my mind. Jackson 23405 was my telephone number 32 years ago down in Houston, Texas because it's in my mind. My girlfriend's number when I was in high school was UL73306. And I can repeat it because I married her and, and so I ain't in no trouble. <laughs> there are some things that you learn by repeating it. Amen. Repetition is a way of fixing it in your mind. Have I witnessed? And uh, some things need, in order to grasp it, you need to say it again. I said you need to say it again. The devil is at his job. And he's doing a job. And one of the things that the devil is trying to do is he is trying to make us become silent at the point that we ought to cess up. I said he wants us silent at the point that we ought to cess up. The devil is in that business. He is trying to produce a silent church. He is trying to rob the church of its power. And the power of the church is in our testimony and the blood of Jesus Christ. Now the blood does the saving, but God needs a testimony. And whenever God takes you through whatever God is taking you through, he is planning on you to say it. I said he's planning on you to say it. And I want to say that God is disappointed because many of you who are listening to me and those of you who are right here in the auditorium, God has many ways given you a testimony. I said in many ways. Some of you here tonight can testify that God brought you through. Some of you in here can actually testify of some of the strange ways that God moves. Some of you here have been blessed by a healing. Amen. 
This time last year when I was here, Pastor Evans and all were praying for my wife because we had just discovered that she had cancer in her left lung. And for two or three months, we went to the doctors and they took x-rays and they did everything. And she took all kinds of uh, uh, pictures that they take. And uh, it continued to grow without control. And it grew in the month of June. And it grew in the month of July. As a matter of fact, the doctor said to me, in July, it's out of hand. And uh, pastor, uh, speak to your wife. And of course, you would know how touching that was. Because baby and I have been married 32 years. And I mean, we have been happily married. I have moved out one night because of a fight. Amen. I moved out, but it wasn't no fight. Because I'm on the road all the time. And we have two lovely children. And those who know her know that she's one of God's choicest women. And for the doctor to say there's nothing that it looks like we can do because it's growing so fast and we can't operate because it's not an operable tumor. And then uh, we went back in August and we had another uh, photograph of the x-ray. And the doctor asked me to come in. He wanted to talk with me. And, of course, you know, you brace yourself when you go in to talk with doctors. And he said, now, Pastor, here is the x-ray, the first one. And you say, you see all of those, uh, you see the tumor? I said, yes. And he said, now, here is the one, the second one. And you see the tumor is growing. And I said, yes. And he said, now, here is the third one that we took last month. And you see it's getting bigger and bigger. And I said, yeah. And then he said, now, this is the one we just took. And I said, I'm, I'm confused, doctor. Uh, this is a blank page. And uh, he said, well, that's what I want to tell you. We can't find nothing. We can't find nothing. And I said, well, where did it go? And he said, well, you're a preacher. You ought to be able to tell me. I said, no. I said, doctor, I'm, I'm, I'm skeptical about this matter. I've been praying about it, but I'm skeptical. I said, now, go get all of your machinery and uh, take a feet and take a head and shoot her from a head to a toe and try to find where that cancer went to. And when he got through, he came out, he said, Reverend, I'm trying to tell you, your wife don't have no cancer. <laughs> said, uh, she doesn't have to come back to see me in three months if she doesn't want to come back then. I'll just check her, but it's gone. I said, it's gone. And many of you here have testimony. I said, you have testimony. And not only do you have testimonies, but you promise when God was bringing you through, you made God a promise. You promised that, Lord, if you just see me through, I'll serve you the balance of my days. When God saved your soul, you were just as happy as you could be, shouting everywhere. Have I got a witness? And couldn't hardly keep you still. 
that's always on the flow saying hallelujah. And I'm speaking to somebody that's at home in your living room or in your bedroom. That ain't what you promised God. You didn't promise to turn your living room into your church. You can't have no church in your bed. I said you can't have no church in your bed. You need to gather together in my name. You need to quit forsaking the assembly of the church. And so I drop by here to tell you, you ought to say it again. Now some of you used to be loud. You used to have a praise for God. I said you used to have a praise. You've gotten down to a clap now. But you used to have a praise. Somebody used to have an amen. But you can't get your mouth open now. All you can do is clap now. Well, now clapping is all right. I don't mind you clapping. But now they can clap on the dance floor. Help me, somebody. They can clap out there twisting and going on. But we have some words that belong to the church. I said it belongs to the church. It's out of order on the dance floor. One is amen. That's a church word. Amen. You ought to get your mouth open and say amen. Another one is hallelujah. I said hallelujah. And then another one is glory.
keep quiet through many dangers, pause and snare. I've already come. Don't ask me to be quiet. He's healed my body. He's touched my mind. He's fought my battles. He's made my enemies. My footstool. He's made a way.
just a little bit. No rock has to cry for me. I'm not ashamed. Look to somebody and tell them I'm not ashamed. Come, 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 come. If I must hold my peace, if I refuse, refuse to pray. The rocks will cry out. Oh, oh, oh. God's going to get the praise. Ooh, yeah, yeah. If I don't raise my hand. If I, if I don't lift his name, he's got somebody, a little somebody, who will pray his holy name. Oh, thank you, Jesus.
Subscribe to Brother Rollins' videos for Christ on YouTube. We post brand new content every week with powerful preaching. It was meant to kill me, sin to destroy me, and I thought that it would, and I thought that it should. Cause I messed up so many times I went left when you said right I'll understand if you wanna let me go Let me go, let me go But you held on to me And you wouldn't let me go
turned it around for my good. Oh, what was meant to kill me? It only made me better. This is the kind of radio you need. Yes, Jesus is a morning radio. Old radio for real people. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Dr. Evangelist, Pastor E.B. Hill this morning. Say it again, hallelujah. Say it again. When we look back over our lives and see the things that God has done for us, we should have been dead and gone. Some of us should have been in the mental institution. But it worked together for our good. Whatever we went through, God brought us. Even in my sinful state, before I became a true believer, before I truly received God as my Lord and Savior, and I decided to really walk up right before him. Because as a child, I came to him, but I didn't take the time to get to fully know him. But he yet blessed me. Even when I was a sinner, he yet died for me. And so as he knew the date that when I would surrender unto him, I believe it was in the month of September in the year 1993. Could have been before then. Could have been a little bit after then. But guess what he did for me? He showed me he was real because that's what I needed to know. I had heard about God. I had heard about Jesus. I believed and I received Jesus again as a child. But in my adult life, I needed to truly know that he was who he said he was. I needed to know what I needed to do to connect with him. You would have thought I'd have found it in church, in somebody's church building. You would have thought I was in the church building at the altar when I found him, but I found him looking out the window in my bedroom at my house. Looking out the window up at the sky, and I really didn't know I was praying, y'all. I thought I was just talking. And I said these kind of words to him. I said, if if you really are God, I said, I need you to show me. I said, I heard that you're real. I want to believe that you're real, but I don't know if you're real. I said, but if you are real, I want to be just as real in you as you are real. That's what I told him at that window that day looking out. I never forget it. I had some dark brown shears to the window. You could see through the, the shears hanging up. And I'm looking up in the sky and I'm talking. Well, the next few days, I'm on my knees now praying. I know I was praying now. And I'm talking to him. I asked him to let me die so he could live in me. When I get up, my, my prayer closet beside my bed. And at the foot of the bed, closer to the wall, there was a, a I guess you would call it a dresser because it had the mirror on it. The chest of drawers is the one without the mirror. When I woke up and I looked, I did a double take because I didn't know who I was. I said, Lord, where is Barbara? He said, you asked me, I could hear this now, you asked me to let her die so I could live. I went on and picked my Bible up and started reading and began to understand. I prayed first to understand. 
I began to understand what I was reading. I had heard about him. I had heard of things he had done for other people. I seen the lady in the long dresses. Some of them had the uh, cap on the head or the little dolly and the, and the thick brown stocking, you know, kind of tan. I, I had saw all of this. I seen the sisters in the church, the mothers dressed in white on first Sunday. I had saw communion being taken, but I didn't take it. I didn't know what I was taking it for. I didn't understand. But after that day, I went to him. He came in unto me. He didn't fill me with his spirit right away, but he set me aside. He sanctified me. Yeah, unto himself. Yeah, I wasn't set aside for everything else but him. I went on. My friend Faye come. And she was frigidy. She was walking back and forth in front of the window, back and forth, wouldn't sit down. I can even see the outfit she had on that day. Yeah, had the moccasin jacket with the matching moccasin shoes. We called them Indian moccasins. And I'm looking because I'm like, what is going on with Faye with all this pacing back and forth? She said, hey. She said, Bob. I said, yeah. Pete this. I said, what? She said, I've been going to church. You would have had to know Faye. Church? Church and faith didn't go together. I said, yeah. She said, yeah. She said, and I thank the little preacher because Pastor Rogers was a little short man, full of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Powerful teacher. Oh, I used to love to hear him teach. And so she said, I thank the little man teaching me right, Bob, but I don't know. I said, well, as quiet as it kept, Faith, I've been reading my Bible and I'm understanding what I'm reading. She said, yeah. I said, yeah. She said, well, Bob, why don't you come and go to church with me? And maybe you can, you know, understand enough that you can see if he's teaching us right or wrong. I said, okay. She said, they're real hospitable. They, they give a lot, Bob. If he finds out you got children and you need anything, Bob, they're going to come to him and his wife, Quality, they're going to come to your rescue. I said, okay, but I wasn't really, you know, interested in that. I'm seeking God. I want the word. So I started going to Bible study and church, and he started teaching on the book of Psalms. And he went back to First and Second Samuel to teach me how David come about with all of this information he had in the, oh, I feel like running. Hey, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. He taught me because, see, before I come to the Lord in the fullness, I'm thinking the Psalms is for if somebody did something to you, you read them Psalms on them. They're going to have bad luck. You see, that was not what the Psalms was about. It was about disobedience. And God had to find somebody who was going to obey. And it just so happened to be David, the little shepherd boy. <laughs> he went up, he had, uh, uh, the people wanted Saul. So God went ahead and anointed him and gave him to the people. And he ruled over them and, and, and couldn't shoot a fry really good. The little shepherd boy come along and the giant Goliath come out and, and talk trash to him, you know. 
talk stuff to him. And the little boy David talked stuff to him and got him some stones and a slingshot. <laughs> and in the name of the Lord, hallelujah, he fired, hit Goliath in the head and killed him. Goliath told him he was going to feed his body to the birds. David cut his head off and fed his to the birds. Oh, you undefiled giant, you. Who are you to come against uh, the Lord, God of hosts? Oh, he, he, he used the word and what he believed about his God. And God came to his rescue. Then he took us on and showed us how uh, David went out to fight. And when he was fighting, he would fight 10,000 of us a man and kill him. He killed a bear. He killed a lion. Oh, God gave him much. He even gave him strength. And, and, and he wasn't a coward. He was strong and brave. The little boy. And so look, it went on and, and David messed up. God used him to conquer and win many battles and became in the place and became in the kingship. And he saw this woman bathing one day, Bathsheba. And Bathsheba had a husband named Uriah. David went over and, and, and brought Bathsheba and laid and played with her until she got pregnant. Then he sent uh, a message with his, 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 his captain to kill Uriah, put him on the front line. So he killed Uriah because nobody could know that Bathsheba was pregnant by him because Uriah was out in the field working in the army. And David over there laying and playing with his wife. He sent for Uriah to come home and try to let him go home to lay with his wife so he could put the baby on Uriah. Uriah said, I can't do that. My men out there laying under the stars in the night on the ground, and I'm going to go home and bathe and lay and play with my wife and eat good. No, sir, I'm not going home. So when David found that out, he had to go on and kill Uriah and thought he was getting away with something. The prophet Nathan come and let him know, uh, David, that was this man, and he had one little lamb, and his friends come, and this, the other man's friends come, and he went and he took the lamb from the man who only had that one lamb, and, and let's say the, the man with the friends was king. He had much, but he took that man, one little lamb. David said, who is he? I'll kill him. He deserved to die. He deserved to give back double what he took, triple what he if I find out who he is, I'm going to kill him. The prophet Nathan told him, said, well, David, it was you. It was you. So now he knew God saw what he did. You can't hide nothing from God. Are you crazy? What you going to hide from the God who sit high and look low, who eyes are in every place beholding the evil and the good? So look, I rocked on with Pastor Rogers for a while. I got the teachings. I, all kind of beautiful teachings that was the truth. And then God shifted me on over to Cathedral of Greater Faith over with Bishop Charles C. Woods. God will use this man mouth to teach. Ooh-wee. Those were the days when I first come to him. When he first began to talk to me and I could hear the voice of the Lord speaking in my spirit. I could hear his voice in my ear, the audio voice. I could hear it. Yeah. These were the days when he allowed me to know what he called and chose me for because I, I needed to know. I love you. I want to do what pleases you. I want to do the only the things that you can accept. 
I know you called me and chose me for something, but what? And he began to rain down that name evangelist. He began to show me and tell me, you spread my news, the good news of my son Jesus. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Next thing I know, my dad had passed. And I could hold it together. I could hold it. I, if he had passed before God saved me, they probably would have locked me up. I couldn't take it. I may have killed myself. My dad gone. This is the last parent I got. This is the way I would have been thinking. But because he lives, hallelujah, I can face tomorrow. I can face that death, that going home, that going for him to take his final rest. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Why, it took faith because I know God holds my future. And life is worth the living today, today, because he lives. Because God lives. I can hear it. I can hear it. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Lord, what you've done for us. Many of us have gone through many things, but you kept us together. You held us together, God, in our minds. Or you kept it for us. Lord, you didn't let us fall apart. You come and you walked us through. We don't know many days how we got through. We wasn't focusing on how we was coming through. But yet you brought us. And we thank you today. Thank you, Jesus. Some lost children. And it wasn't until death. But the enemy come in and took our children. And, Lord, we yet standing in you. We yet trust in you. And so we thank you today. Some of us lost a husband. Some of us lost a wife. Because of their choices, not ours. They no longer wanted to be under your umbrella with the man or woman who was for you. But, Lord, you yet brought us through. And we're grateful unto you this morning. We thank you. We couldn't make it without you. We thank you today, Lord for all you've done for us. We thank you for what you're doing right now. We thank you for what you're going to do. We give you glory. We give you honor this morning. And Father, we praise you, all in spirit and in truth. We worship you this morning, mm. in spirit and in truth. And Father, because you live, oh, we can face anything that come before us any day, as long as we do it in you, hallelujah, as long as we come before the throne of grace and put it on the altar before you and walk away. Let you have it, God, hallelujah. There's nothing too hard for you to do, Father. We thank you this morning. Strengthen your people. Strengthen them through prayer and in your word today. But, Father, your word is a lamp unto our feet. It's a light unto our path. And forever, O oh God, thy word, Hallelujah. It's settled in heaven. Help us to be your people today. Help us to seek your face and turn from our wicked ways. Help us to reach out to you no matter what comes our way. Help us to lean and depend and trust you. Oh, we ask it all this morning in the name of Jesus. We thank you for hearing. We thank you for answering this prayer this day, oh God. We thank you, Lord. We thank you. We thank you. 
Bless those today that stand in the need of finances, Lord. Money answers all things. And we're not just coming to you just for gifts and stuff and things, but we love you this morning. And you have the answer to every problem. You have the solution today. And Lord, if we don't come to you, we won't get an answer. We won't get it resolved uh, because you're the the problem solver this morning. So Lord, I ask that you would bless your people with uncommon finances. Those that gave to me, those that gave to Brother Frank, a a homegoing celebration of flowers and cards, oh God. Lord, I ask that you would move on these people today and multiply back to them a hundredfold in the name of Jesus especially, Lord, those who didn't have very much, those who said in their heart, if I had more, I'd give more. God multiplied back to them. Those who say, I don't have anything at all. If I had it, I would give. Lord, you love a cheerful giver. And just the thought of them willing to give blessed this morning with uncommon blessings in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord. And Father, we pray for the young lady yesterday that Sion sent to me, God, you know who she is. And Lord, she's sick and she can't heal herself. But Lord, if you're a healer this morning, we give you glory. We give you the honor and the praise for it. We thank you, Lord. We thank you. Oh, we thank you. We can't thank you enough. Lord, move for her today. We know what it feels like to be sick. We know what it feels like to be in pain. Lord, touch and heal her today. In the name of Jesus. But without you, we can do nothing. Yeah, Lord, we thank you. LaShawn Reed. God, she needs a kidney transplant. You know what she needs. Lord, find a kidney for this woman. In the name of Jesus. You know where the kidney that is right for her. The one that won't reject. Her body won't reject. Strengthen her, God, in this hour. Bless those that are connected to her. Family, friends, whoever it is. Bless the day in the precious name of Jesus. And Father, we thank you. We thank you for hearing this morning. We thank you for answering. And Lord, anyone else here sick today, we ask that you would touch their hearts, touch their minds, touch that body, make it over, God. Heal in the name of Jesus. You heal all manner of sickness and disease. And Lord, bless Minister Shonda today. All you know what she needs, God. Hallelujah, move on her behalf this morning in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We thank you. We give you glory, honor, and praise. And Father, we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen and hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. There is none like him. Oh, we can search all over. We won't find nobody. Nobody greater than Almighty God. Listen, if you have a testimony this morning or you have something you want to say on God's behalf, because the 105th Psalm to talk of his wondrous works, make known his deeds among the people. You never know who hear your testimony, and you never know who your testimony will bless. I heard E.B. here say we are overcome by our testimony and the blood of the Lamb. And let me tell y'all something. When you don't say nothing for God and the opportunity presents itself, if you got anything going on in your, uh, around you or you're doing that you shouldn't be doing, how about the devil telling you? I know you didn't know that. He tells on you. He liked running to tell on us to the Lord. Didn't you tell Barbara not to be so flipped at the mouth? 
Look what she said the other day, Lord. Look what she said. And the Lord will touch and say, repent. Right there in front of him. To let him know you told on her, but I'm forgiving her. I look beyond her fault and yet meet her needs. So we overcome by our testimony and the blood of the Lamb. We should be jumping and leaping to talk about the goodness of the Lord. Now, I know some people at work and they can't do all of that. Yeah, they, they can't be voicing nothing. I got to get this done. I'm on this computer and I'm, I, I got to show I'm at work. You see? I understand that, but those are not, not at work. Those that sit every day and just tune in and listen in. Never have nothing to say to God. I just come to get all I can get. I'm not going to give nothing back. I'm working over there in that prayer club. I'm working over there in that Jesus in the morning chat. I'm working over there that we'll learn to pray for one another and not come over there with them selfish prayer. I thank you for waking me up. Me, who is you and all of these people in here? How about we thank you for waking us up this morning? Even if they don't say that, I'm saying it for them. Lord, we thank you. Because these people glad to be alive. They just didn't have a brain enough to tell you that this morning. So I'm saying it for them. And God will receive that. Yes, he will. He loves a cheerful giver, and I'm giving. Lord, bless the people here. Bless their families and friends. Anyone here sick, Lord, touching here, their bodies. We don't want to pray selfish prayer. I saw one over there today. I got so tickled. I, yeah, I'm going to have to repent on that one, I think. They say, this is so-and-so checking in. I almost lost. <laughs> That's how I begin to pray and tell the Lord, help us, Lord, and teach us how to pray. Because if you don't know, you just don't know. But you may be willing to learn if somebody's willing to teach you. Yeah. And I don't mean to laugh in a negative way. It's not negative I'm trying to do. But sometimes things are funny. And it's uplifting to me in a way. And then I tell the Lord, thank you, because he taught me how to pray. He taught me to come in with the thanksgiving unto him. Afterward, I repent. So he can hear my petition for others. And then I begin to pray for other people. I begin to pray for the sick, the homeless, the this, the military, the that. Afterwards, then I pray for me and my family. My family, then me. I'm last. After I get through praying for, for, for the family last, I begin to praise God. I begin to stay in the praise mode and have my spiritual ear open so I can hear back from him. For the prayers I prayed for others and for my family and me, he heard all of that. But what about this, this, and this, Barbara? What about the school system? What about the children in the school system? See, he'll bring some things to your remembrance. The Spirit of God will remind you of things you need to pray for, people you need to pray for, the elderly. Huh? We need to keep the elderly. I'm an elderly person. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, I'm a senior citizen. I'm an older girl these days. Yeah, yeah. And I got to be honest, I'm kind of loving it now. Okay. Ooh, I don't have to punch a clock. 
I really don't have to cook and clean like that like I used to. Baby, I'll be in the bathroom with a toothbrush somewhere in the corner scrub. I don't do all of that no more. Baseboards, who's going to let the baseboards get dusty in here? I would put all these curtains down, double wash them 500 times, and then put them back. Iron them probably. Sheets on the bed, iron No, it don't take all of that. Keep your house clean. It'll be all right. Yeah. God is faithful to us. See, I don't do all that I used to do. I'm an older girl in my retirement years. I don't feel like all that I used to feel like. Not that I don't have some in it, but I don't have all that I used to have. And to be honest with you, I don't want all of that too much. This body is older, and if I take care of it and rest it right, I won't have a heart attack. I won't have a stroke. And God is so faithful. He pulled back the rain on things. All right, Barbara, you had enough of that, and I don't eat no more of that for a week. All right, now you've been off the sugar. You want a little something over here. I'm going to let you have this cup of coffee now with the sugar in it. But look at that. Don't keep eating sugar all day. Now don't go get a candy bar, a bag of something. Don't bake a cake to eat. Yeah, he, he, he pulled back the rain on. That's the spirit of the Lord talking to me. Now if I obey what he says, I'm good. But if I don't obey, I am in trouble. And I got myself in trouble because he spoke the truth. I just refused to hear it. I want what I want. Yeah. And it would be all right today in Jesus' name. God bless you, Pastor David. God bless you this morning. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. He said, that's how I grew up with house cleaning like that. She's iron, clothes iron. Yes, sir. We know about it, Brother David. That's how I come up, too. They wash the, uh, the blankets and quilts in the summer, fold them up, and put them away for the winter. Yeah, and when the winter was coming, they washed the stuff from the summer and put it up. Starch and iron stuff. They had the little, we call them scarves. I know you know about it, Sister Jerry. The little dollies on the table and the lamp sitting in the middle of the scarf, and she would wash them starch and iron them and Oh, boy, it was beautiful. But guess what? That was some work. Uh-huh. We washed on Mondays. At about six wash tubs. I, oh, my goodness, when I look back, I thank God for an automatic washer and dryer. Hallelujah. I thank God for hot and cold running water because she used to boil that water in the big wash pot. Oh, my goodness, I can see it. Get that paddle over there and push them clothes down. Oh, yeah. And you were going to hang them out. You didn't have it to worry about. Yeah. I come in from school. She take them clothes off, put them books up, and I come on out here and help me wring this blanket out. <laughs> this where her head been all day. <laughs> Mine been in the books at school. I I want to snack and lay out is what I want. Now, come on, help me wring this out. Yeah. And uh, she would work all day. And then she cooked from scratch, baked from scratch. Wasn't no uh, stovers. Throw it in the oven and, you know, it cook itself. Wasn't none of that. Wasn't no Kentucky fried chicken. uh, Kentucky was walking around. The chicken was walking around in our yard. And we could pretend they were from Kentucky. 
if we wanted to, or Popeye. Yeah, but she, my dad went out there and killed the chickens. She cleaned them, what we call gutted them, washed them out good, cut them up, seasoned them. Lord have mercy. And fried it to Southern perfection. Yeah, that's where I come from too, uh, Pastor David. Well, no shame in our game. We was who we was. Green, collard green, mustard, turnip. There's nobody who could cook a turnip green, I, I don't think, like my mom. And she would put cornmeal dumplings in the turnip green. Mustard green. See, I ate all of that because the way she cooked it. Oh, that thing was to perfection with the smoked meat. Well, no liquid smoke, smoked meat. Yeah, y'all know I love food and I love to cook and I love to eat it. Yep, sure do. <laughs> and I am thankful. Hallelujah for good food. Uh, I was thinking today is Friday, I might need a little barbecue. Because I was thinking of fish and shrimp, but I think I need a little barbecue because I'm going to have a birthday next week. And uh, I'll be able to get all the fish and shrimp and crab I want. So I think I'll go on and taste a little uh, Missouri rib. They tender to the touch. Oh, yeah, that kind of thing. I love groceries. I'm telling you now. And it's all right as long as I don't overdo it. And I'm still learning, but I'm still working on not overdoing the groceries. Yeah. If I had fried yesterday, no fried for a minute. Yeah, I need to bake, broil, boil, or whatever, something. But don't get in there with all that fried. Yeah, and, and I can last. I thank God for Jesus this morning. Listen, all right, Sister Jerry, I'm coming at you. God bless you this morning. How are you? Good morning, Sister Barbara. I'm doing well, very well. I kept hearing in my spirit this morning, God say, somebody got a testimony. Somebody got a testimony. And I said, well, God, well, why they ain't testimony? But then Barbara came along and said, the testimony is how I found God. Some of us don't even forget where we found God, how we found God. And some of us still don't even know if God really exists. Because we still holding on to that fantasy that Mama said Santa Claus coming. So in bed, some people mind God is like Santa Claus. But God is a lot of things, but he ain't like Santa Claus. He's not like no genie. He's not like no, I just send my request up and he just throw it down. No, God is real. God will lift you up off of your dying bed. He will lift you up out of prison when you're walking through those gray doors and they're waiting on you. He'll turn you around and walk you back out to the street. Ask me how I know. I was the one walking through the gray doors and trying to make the people let me in. And they say, no, you got to do something to come in. I had sense enough to not to say, well, y'all just got me out the car with the people with the cocaine. I didn't say that. I wasn't that stupid. He said, we don't have you. We have all three that we want. You might know them, but you can't go with them. Turn me around. So if God ever did anything for you, like my brother told me, sis, the pain that you're feeling is just age. But the goodness is God has allowed you to feel the breeze on you, even though you might not be able to see the sky. God has allowed you to feel the pain, even if you don't know why it's there. God has allowed you to be beautiful because he had purple your beauty. 
He wanted you to meet the man that was going to raise two children that he had designated for your life. See, you couldn't have been a, this type of girl or that type of girl that was going to get that type of man that was going to raise God's little angels. And his little angels, both of them, were special needs. God had to give me a lot of strength during those times, Barbara. I even yeah. pulled the car over one day and just screamed. Part of me wanted to drive off the Fulham Bridge. I don't know if people know what that is. That's a drawbridge that used to go up. The kids were so bad wrestling with each other in the car. I started unlocking the doors and wanted to just drive off the bridge some of those kids. Oh, those <laughs> kids. And then the kids say to me, Mama, the bridge going up. Slow down. I said, I, just, I stopped. I said, y'all, y'all crazy, but you're smart enough to know the bridge going up and I need to stop. What are you trying to do, kill us? Testimony. God spoke through the children to say, I know it's rough, but it's not rough until death. I was laying there this morning thinking about that. Yes, Jerry, I know it's rough. I know that pain hurting because, see, you're not even used to having zero pain. You get a headache, honey, I got a headache today. He rushing, I get a warm bag, give you some Excedrin, cuts the lights out, put a night thing over your eyes. Maybe you weren't even having a headache, Jerry. You were just having a spoiled moment. But what I do know this day, I'm really having pain and I'm really feeling it because I am alive. And I got to remember what a pastor said yesterday. God, Rod and his staff, he's pulled me out of destruction and protected me with his staff to perfect you. No, I got a lot to learn. I don't even know how to do this, that, or the other. But no matter what, God had it all in place when I was acting crazy telling Mama. I don't like this. I don't know if I even like this. I'm not going to cook. I'm not going to cook. And I didn't. Yes, Barbara, I remember them starch white little things she had on the table with the crochet. She sit down and crocheted them. She said, baby, you might want to learn how to crochet. No, Mama, I don't think I do. My hands hurt today. That was a lot of things I might have needed to learn. But let me tell everybody, you won't leave this earth not learning everything God wants you to learn. I have learned about the rod. The rod won't let you drive the bridge because God will pull you back. The rod won't let the enemy come in here and kill you because he'll start locking doors and lock them out. So everything that God has ever promised you, I don't care if it takes 60 years to get here, is going to happen. I'm not talking about food today because I'm not an eater. I'm not like Barbara. But if you want to talk about some cooking candy, I got that uncovered. I'm having withdrawals now like a drug addict for some sugar. But I'm also having resolution and celebration because God is showing me my special needs son went to the front door, opened the door, and told the devil, get out my house. God got me. Get out of here. God got me. Jesus loved me enough, no matter what, how bad I'm feeling, God got me. So today, that's my testimony, Barbara. God won't allow what he promised you before you even knew the promise. 
to fall to the ground. And so in the name of Jesus today, I tell God, thank you. I thank you for the people he's put in my life. I have a friend, I'll just call her Miss T. She's here. She's in my life. She has to put up with some craziness because, you know, I ain't not your man. I'm crazy. But she's here. But Barbara, you know what? I'm crazy. But you put up with it, and you just shake your head, and you go, poor Jerry. But you're there when I need you the most. When I go to crying and whining, you you there when she's there. You all are there when I need you the most. Some of them gangbangers, hooker lane people. I can't find them nowhere. Maybe they're dead. But all I do know, they gone. I used to have so many people around me. It was like eight or nine cars hanging out. I can count the people on my hands right now that are calling check and say, Jerry, how you doing, sis? Sis, you all right over there? They understand what I'm going through. I never drank, but I had some... Bar hopping, liquor drinking women, girlfriends. The bar light be clicking on and off, telling us it's time to go. You ain't got to go home, but y'all got to get on up out of here. And I said, can I get another Pepsi before we go? Everybody laughed. Jerry, you just trying to get one more dance. Just hit it one more time. We'll dance out the door. Now, at the Twitter first song saying, he has laid me down in green pastures. God has laid me down and said, lay down. I need to talk to you. Go to bed. I need you to listen to me. Your bar hopping, cocaine running friends, they all gone. Some of them dead. Some of them cut up in pieces. But I got you here because there's still one more thing I got for you to do, Jerry. Now, what it is, I have no idea. Or maybe I'm doing it and don't know it. But I know if God ever made any of us a promise. Oh, I felt it last night. He said, Jerry, I know this stuff you're going through right now is going in circles. I want you to wait till 10 o'clock and hear me and say what I tell you to say. The storm is over. So I just want to tell God thank you. And to help me to continue to be obedient. Because obedience is better than sacrifice. Let the sugar go, Jerry. I know you want it so bad. You can just imagine one of Barbara's big old cookies. Barbara, you know what I've been thinking. No, don't be thinking of Barbara. She's just like you. You're supposed to be picking her up so she can pick you up. Both of you just got to have it. But you ain't got to have it. God said, I'm sweet enough. Come and dine with me, Jerry. Ask me to take that sugar away from your tongue palate, and I promise you, you won't no more. Like he told the lady at the well, with this water, you'll thirst no more. And that's where I've made my mistake. I told God, God, help me not to want so much sweets. I ain't telling him to take it away from me, did I? But now I'm telling God, Help me, just like I said, oh, Barbara, I don't like turning green. Ooh, I don't want that. Ooh, I don't like that. Help me to say, Lord, this, oh, Lord, hello, Miss Smith. Take this bitter cup from me. <laughs> hello, Miss Smith. Take this bitter cup from me. Now I understand the bitter cup. 
but not after a few behind whippings. Now I understand calling this whoever had the coon going. That looked like a coon. Oh, Lord, forgive me. She was trying to teach me. And, Jerry, yeah, I made you beautiful. I made you extraordinary beautiful for one reason. I had a purpose for you to go get my two special angels. You couldn't look like an ordinary woman. I wanted you to grab Mr. Crowell's attention and then bring him home to babies. I brought him home without asking. He come home, oh, what's that noise? Oh, we got a baby. I went over to Rath house, and he had a baby fast, and she don't got nervous. He said, oh, he's beautiful. How long are we going to watch him? No, Robert, uh, <clears throat> I've got to tell you something. He said, well, okay. Brought the baby home. We started raging. Nine months later, I got another baby going to court trying to get this one, and then I bring home another baby. I said, oh, Lord. I was nervous driving all the way from home. Because I know Robert would accept a lot from me, but now I'm asking him to take in another baby. I was scared sitting there in the car before he got home from work. I got out the car with the babies. The neighbor said, oh, Miss Crowd, you had a baby? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I ran in the house. I thought, what I do? How am I going to get Robert to say yes? What I do? I'm trying to scheme up a way to get the baby. I didn't have to scheme. Robert walked through the door. He said, Jerry. I'm like, what? Jardine. I said, what? I'm nervous because I'm hoping you don't make this baby in here cry. Come here, Al. Okay. Daddy, I got my brother. I bought him home. Oh, Lord. I stood there in the room and just closed my eyes. I said, well, Lord, he can say one or two things. I can keep him or I got to take him back. He came in the room. Jardine, uh, these aren't like little puppies you bring at home. You know this, right? Robert, but let me tell you what happened here. What happened was, he said, okay, you know, I don't even care. I'm tired. I got a, a raise on my job today. So we can afford the baby. He said, yeah, we can afford the baby. I was wondering why they called me and gave me a raise. See, God didn't just only send the baby in the house. He brought Robert from a $24,000 job a year and took him up to 73000 I didn't say $7. $73,000 with a man with a GED. God specializes. You might not know the plan, but what God has for your life, but there's a purpose and a plan for our lives today. I'm still trying to learn, man, Barbara. And thank you so much for being here for me. I think this lady, y'all don't know her name, Teresa. I've been mean, I've been crazy, I've been acting crazy, because I'm surrounded with anxiety. But she has been there for me with these boys. She's been there with me through good, bad, and ugly. And, Barbara, you know, you twist into your car, getting your lights turned back off and on and whatever, and the man telling you, oh, I got your number, they called you. Oh, they did? I'm just teasing with you. Barbara hair looking all slick and shiny and curly. I'm looking like somebody just jumped straight out of a psycho ward mental institution. Barbara, fix my hair. Look at my hair. See everything by two years. Everything really, really. Barbara pulled a little rubber off her head. She was willing to give me a laugh. How many people really give you their laugh? I don't know. She pulled it off her head. 
Well, you got wolf pack hair, Jerry. It's not going to fit in this road. You got something like in the old days, it's called afros. It's everywhere. Can't nobody hold that down. Father, you ain't got nothing. You're mad, the man hollering at her. She twisting. Don't even know she's twisting. Her hair looking good. And you looking like you just stepped out the middle institution. What you expect? The lady behind us busts out laughing. I said, oh, Bubba, I'm sorry, but look at my hair. I got to take a picture. It didn't matter. Do you have to look at that picture? It looked like I was a model. Bobby said, oh, you look good. I know. What happened? I get to look like that. God specializes. He truly specializes, Barbara. And I repent, Barbara, you ain't buy nothing. Why? Yeah. Because yeah, she can fix her hair and you can't fix yours? That ain't her problem. Your mama was a beautician. Why didn't you learn how to comb your hair? When people do everything for you, you'll never learn how to do anything. That's my message today, Barbara. I don't know how to cook. Boy, Kevin in here shouting the director cook them cabbage and chicken. He said, Woo, Bob is back. Little does he know Bob is getting ready to go because Teresa going to do something different. But boy, he ate that big old pot of cabbage and rice. He just like, he was shouting. I wasn't shouting because, you know, I smell cabbage person, but I did eat some of the juice off the cabbage. I said, ooh, this tastes pretty good. God is already working on my tongue palate. She brought me some Cheetos yesterday. I said, ooh, I don't know if I like them. But old habits hard to break. I ate them. I said, ooh, these taste good. Then I tried to order some yesterday, and guess what God did? I was stock. Because I said, God, help me. And when you're sincere about what you're asking God, he'll be right there, right on time. Thank you, Barbara. Everybody have a great weekend. And thank you for your testimony to help me realize where I've been and where I'm going because I had no idea. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I know y'all heard me laughing, but forgive me. Forgive me uh, because I know the crowd. I know her. But nonetheless, we thank God this morning for testimonies. We thank God for working things out for us. So, yeah, Jerry, he could have told you, hey, you know, these are my puppies you're bringing home. And you already brought one child, special needs child in here. Now you're trying to bring another one? Now, Jerry, uh, this baby got to go back. But God bless you and left both babies in your care. You worked every yeah. day at the bank, everything, but you yet took care of all three babies, your biological son and your two nephews. Yeah, Ralph yeah. loved his children, but Ralph was gone. He couldn't do for his children. So he asked yeah. his sister to help him, and that's what you did. And I know God going to bless you for it, Jerry. And the day you really and truly come out of your past and let what has happened go, open up your full heart to God and tell him to fill you with love. Yeah. That old Jerry used to be, take that out of me, God. Give me a new heart. Yes, yeah. yes, Lord. Yeah. Renew the right spirit within me. Because that old yeah. Jerry, because of what she had gone through, listen to me this morning. She felt like 
that's how she needed to live. But you was in bondage. The enemy had you in bondage, Jerry. But the day God is setting you free, you've come a long ways already. God is setting you free today. That's why no more of the joking and that foolishness. Because God is taking away that old Jared. No manipulation. None of that. You don't need any of that. I don't have to use my looks. I don't have to use my voice. I don't have to change my voice to get people to come over. No, I don't have to do any of that. All I have to do is be the true me that God made me to be. And see, a lot of times we've been in the fake world so long, we feel like we don't know how to come out. You don't have to. God will bring you out. He will bring you out. I don't know a woman alive that have not used a manipulative uh, situation when she wanted something, especially from a man. Whether it was the Google eyes or the smile or uh, something she did with her body to entice it, whatever it was that she wanted, she used some kind of manipulative, a manipulating trick to get it. I don't know a woman alive who haven't done it. Some did it and they don't even realize they did it. it it's the ways of the woman. But we don't have to use any of that. I don't have to flirt with nobody. I don't have to do none of that. And I used to think, well, if you ask a man for something, he's going to be looking. No, no, no. Not all men are crazy. If he see you in dire straight and you straight, and he see that you're not trying to manipulate him into something, he'll help you. Yeah, he'll help you. A man will help, especially if you got children. Because a lot of men, when they was children, they didn't have. Some men didn't have both parents in the home, and they knew what the struggle that their mom went through to raise them. So they're willing to help women. But now when you game, no game out here. And when you come with that manipulating foolishness, they say, no, ma'am, I don't have nothing for you. I don't even have a good vibe for you. I'm just going. Yeah. All that kind of thing. Well, God is faithful. And he's yeah. turning it around even as we speak in Jared for you. Yeah. Old things passed away, and behold, all things have become new. You don't have to prove to nobody how smart you are. You don't have to prove to nobody I'm pretty. You don't have to prove nobody I I can articulate my words. You don't have to do any of that. Mm -mm. Because God made me over. He made me over, Jerry. I'm not that same barber. Mm -mm. Let me tell you something. (laughs) I knew I had a bad temper and a short one. For a very long time. I said what I meant and I meant what I said. And I always figured because I was from Jacksonville, I had a wallet game. I'm from Duval County. And you got to have a wallet game because at any moment, it, it, the cobra might strike. The, the, <laughs> the rattler might strike. And if you don't know how to strike back, you'll be on the ground. Hurt. So this was was in my mind. It wasn't in my parents' mind, but because I went to school with other people. I went to church with other people. Not everybody in the church saved. Not everybody come to church for God. So I learned some things right quick that I couldn't tell my parents. I couldn't let them know I got a while again. (laughs) And I'll knock your son out. I couldn't tell them that about my brother, but he knew. My brother knew, my youngest brother, he knew. And people knew because if you 
felt like you need to mess with my younger brother, you needed to see me. You did that so you could see me. And that, that was not what you was. But he changed me from the inside. I can no longer think like that. Even if you make me angry, I don't think the cuss. It's a cuss word. I can tell you what I got to do without any cussing. Back in the day, that would have been almost every word I said to you. And was hoping, you know, you had, you know, something you wanted to do. You wanted to reach out and touch me so I could touch your back or something. But he changed me from the inside out. He gave me a brand new heart, a brand new mind, Jerry, a new way of thinking. I don't have to be violent. I don't have to be evil. I can love people unconditionally, even my enemies. I don't have nothing hard for them because I know he said, let the wheat and the tail grow together in the day of harvest, Barbara. I'll do the separation. Don't you try to separate. You don't know right from wrong yourself fully. You don't even know my ways, my thoughts. You was one for enemy of mine. You was disobedient. So now you got to show them love. Yeah, because as many days you know that iron skillets in <laughs> I just want to bam me with the iron skillets. Yeah, but those days are over. Those days are over. And uh, I thank God for freedom. And as far as taking me back to my past, I'm only going back there to pull up something good that I could talk about uh, concerning God, what he has done, what he brought me from. Yeah, I'm not back there living thinking on what I've done. I did what I've done. Yeah, old things passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Yeah, I'm not still back there living. Please believe me. Yeah, don't the urge to sell dope don't come to me. The urge to rob the bank for money don't come to me. Uh-uh. The urge to go to the dope man and, and, and make deals so I can get more of his dope and pay him less, that don't come. Mm-mm. But what does come, Psalms 105, to talk of God's wondrous works and to make known his deeds among the people. And that, that's what comes. Pray for somebody. Yeah, smile, a real smile at somebody. I see the need. Go ahead and give to it. Hallelujah. God is faithful. What does come is to get in his word and let his word get in me. To have a prayer life, a personal prayer life at home, not just at church when they have altar call and all of this. But have a, a daily prayer life as I'm going to and fro. Sometimes he makes you sit still so he can talk to you. Right there, right quick, like that. And I'm grateful unto him. My life is in him. It's no longer my own. If I try to save it, I'm going to lose it. If I lose that old life, he going to save it. Hallelujah, because he's saving what's real, or what's truly unto him. Hallelujah. So we thank God this morning. I got to get this request out this morning, the day Friday, and I'm, I'm trying to do as much as possible with all I have. So uh, y'all bear with me, and I'm going to get this one out right here. And uh, when we come back, the studio is still open. If there's anyone who want to testify or share something, please feel free. You may have an announcement you want to make. Oh, I, did I say it yesterday? Brother Frank, homegoing celebration is March the 11th, and it would be in Las Vegas, Nevada. Again, this morning, Sister Linda is going to represent 
Jesus in the Morning Radio for us. And uh, we're raised, we raised uh, uh, over $150 yesterday for the flowers. I'm going to buy a card, a beautiful card, you know, spend a little money on it, and maybe $10 or $15, and uh, send a beautiful card to the family from Jesus in the Morning Radio. And that represents all of us, especially that faithful few that represent all of us. And when you gave yesterday, you gave for all of us, yeah, so that we can do it as a group. And, and you know, I, I feel like making everybody that faithful few administrators of Jesus in the morning so you can tell people, yeah, I have a position over there. Yeah, I'm with Jesus in the morning radio talk show because you are. You've been coming for years. And we feel like a family, Irene and Jerry and Sister Dorothy Goodman, C.R. <laughs> Y'all forgive me for laughing when I say C.R. And uh, her husband, Pastor David Jackson, huh? Oh, uh, yeah, Sister Jerry. Look at this. Uh, Minister Shonda. Sister Minister Andrea Spinner. Brother Anthony Lewis. Yeah, it, it's quite a few of us. That faithful few. There are those who listen without ever touching the number one. That's part of that faithful few. 708. Uh, uh, 706, Brother D, Brother Louis, Sister Sherry, Sister Linda. Yeah, we're we, we, we a family. We may not associate every day, but right here, we come together on one accord as a family unto God. We come to hear what he have to say. We come to do what he would have us to do right here, faithfully, each weekday morning. And as we depart, if we hear something about one another, we know each other. At least we know the name. Yeah. And Brother Frank was a warrior. He was a soldier. <laughs> I miss him right now. Yeah. And uh, whew, I, I know Brother Louis remember his sister, Cora. Remember Cora, Brother Louis? She had the son. She always wanted me to pray for her. And uh, she was fixing up a house, and she gave a testimony that she left and left workers there, and they came in and did an excellent job. Didn't take nothing. It could have took a whole house, so she left it open. But they came in. This was Brother Frank's biological sister. Sister Linda in California, who's representing us. Yeah, I knew you would remember. Who's representing us. We tried to calculate it this morning, and we came up with 10 years. Brother Frank introduced me to her 10 years ago, and we remain in contact every morning. And it's some few. It's a few more. I got to talk to a lady yesterday. I never knew this woman, but she knew Brother Frank good, and she was from Mobile, Alabama, where he was from. Sweet, kind-hearted woman. She said, thank you so much for calling to tell me. I wouldn't have known. She wanted to know about the homegoing celebration, where it would be and what date. Yeah. So we're going to do our part. And sometimes the family may request of you things are just too much for you. I'm not rich. I don't work in money. I, I, I work in the favor of God. What you see me get is from Almighty God. It's not from Barbara. I'm not in the money. Because, like, see, I don't want to perish with money. 
but I want to go through these trials that make me strong. I want to reign with him, so I got to suffer with him. Yeah, sometimes he used the other people to bless me with favor, but not money. But when I spoke yesterday, that money came. See, I'm saying I'm praying for it to happen right now before you get off the air. Bam, God did just that. So I'm going to buy a bigger flower than $150 that I had planned to buy. I want it to be beautiful. Woo-wee. Where everybody see it, say, my goodness, what a beautiful plant. Because God did it. And we I, I want to represent us to show them how much we love Brother Frank. Yeah. And I knew he was sick because he wasn't coming to the show often. Now, when he was well, he was here every day talking the big talk and getting Louis Hay and all that. <laughs> and the man bond and all him and Brother Ron. And they would bring other brothers, you know, with the man bond, I thought. <laughs> I've never been a man. So I don't know how the man bond like that, you know, but I know how the women bond. Oh, my goodness. But uh, he blessed me in many a days, and I'll never forget him. And I truly hope that he is right in his celebration. And my prayer is that he went to take his rest in Jesus. And when God called his name, he'll wake up. And he'll hear one day, well done, that good and faithful servant. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So listen, if no one else have anything they would like to say, I will pray us out this morning. Well, we're going to, we're going to let this be our last song of the morning. Yeah. But God bless you, Sister Jerry, and I thank God for your testimony today. Keep looking to the hills and letting go. Yeah. God have a special plan for you, a purpose and a system. Keep, keep letting go. Because the more you let go, the more the spirit going to come in. And that's what we want to do. Walk in the spirit that we don't fulfill the lust of our flesh. Yeah, we ain't got nothing in the past uh, but a testimony. If we ain't testifying under God, we ain't got nothing to do with it. We through with that. You can't undo it, and can't bring it back. So we let go. Hallelujah, in Jesus' name. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you this morning for all that has been said and done. Thank you for Dr. E.B. Hill and say it again. I thank you for it, Lord. I say it again. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we give you glory. We give you the honor and praise this morning for all you've done already, what you're doing right now, and, Father, what you're going to do. We thank you this day. Yesterday is gone and tomorrow is not promised. But, Father, we are here right now. We ask for your many blessings, your uncommon favor. We ask for your uncommon blessings and your uncommon miracles today. Father, we ask that you would make us cheerful givers. Lord, let us give down to the last penny that we can in your honor. And not give it to man, but give it to you. And Father, we know that you will multiply it back. We know you're able. There's nothing too hard for you to do. Bless your people this morning. Father, bless our going out and our coming in again this morning. Meet our needs according to your riches and glory by your son, Christ Jesus. We ask all of this this morning in Jesus' name. Bless this weekend unconditional, O oh God. Bless it uncommon and give us uncommon miracles this weekend in the name of Jesus. We thank you. We give you glory, honor, and praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen and amen and amen and hallelujah. May the Lord watch between me and thee. 
while we are absent one from another in the name of Jesus. Go today in love and peace. Share the good news of Jesus and give someone something of quality. God loves a cheerful giver. Have a blessed day. I speak the blessings of Almighty God upon you this day, February the 17, 2023, in Jesus' name. And bless this weekend, all in Jesus' name. So at this time, I'm going to say bye-bye. We're going to our last song of the morning. And after this song, I won't be coming back. Have a blessed weekend. God bless you.
don't know what to do, I put God on it. I know he'll see me through, I put God on it. When I'm about to lose my mind, I put God on it. He'll be right there on time, I put God on it. Oh, I, I'm, I'm boiling eggs. But if I'm having an egg sandwich for lunch, no salt. I don't think I even use pepper this time. Okay, hold on one minute. Let me finish this up and close this out. I'm coming to boil eggs. Okay. Have a blessed weekend, Apostle. God bless you. We end a little early this morning. And, uh, I'm going in and get some things done. I got to do laundry today. I have a funeral tomorrow, but I'm not sure if I'm going. I think I'm going to bake a pound cake and take over uh, for the family and uh, just in a card and greet everybody that I can who's bringing food, you know. And then I'm running on back home to get some other stuff done. So I thank God for the mind. Thank God I'm going to get Brother Frank some flowers ordered. I think I should do it on the 9th of March. And let them deliver the flowers on the 10th, on the 11th, on the 10th or the 11th. And uh, I'm going ahead and send a card on out. I'm going to look today for a beautiful card, you know, and pay maybe $10 or uh, $15 for it. And I ship that off, you know, to, to, to the house and go from there. All right. God bless your pasta. Good to see you this morning. <laughs> I put God on it when I didn't know what to do. I put God on it. He came right on through. I put God on it. I'm about to go and boil the eggs. Mm-hmm.